Well, good morning, church. Hey, just like Brandon just said, we are going to kind of wrap up our uh, series called Exiled in 1 Peter. We're going through the book of 1 Peter next week. And so if you've missed some, uh, some of the series or you're new to Stone Point and uh, you wonder where you can kind of catch up on past messages, you can go to our website, stonepointchurch.com, and check out all the current series that we're in and past series. So if you want to go back and take a look at that, please do. But today we're going to start in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Uh, and as you're turning there, uh, I'll have it up on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. And if you don't, we have Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles out there that we will give you and say thank you for coming. And so just make sure you check out the resource area um, when you leave if you don't have a Bible. But we're going to be talking about something that we all go through, and that's sufferings, it's trials, it's difficulties, it's hardships. And we're going to take a, view, a look at a view on it and see kind of where our view is skewed being in the midst of it usually. And, and so I thought, why don't we look at Facebook and see what people are going through. And so this morning, there's really two trials, right, that people have gone through. One, if you look at it, there's where this hurricane has just devastated people in Houston. And the other is that McGregor lost. So I don't know which one's really more important, right? But there's trials that go through that we go through, and, and while we look at Facebook and just see sometimes you're like, oh man, these are silly things to worry about. Some are true trials and just moments of devastation. And so are there, like, who was surprised by the fight? Let's, let's just raise hands. Those that watched it, who was surprised? Come on. I know some people watched it here. Y'all are, y'all are like not even wanting to admit that you watched it. Look at that. Okay, so surprises though. Y'all just ruined everything for me. Surprises... <laughs> surprises happen. Like if you think about the, the type of surprises we have in our life, our surprised emotions ba are based off of what happens to us in life. And so if you think of na just natural surprises, think of the tornadoes that went through Canton. Brandon and I, you know, we drove through there after it happened, just kind of seeing what was going on. And it always surprises me to see just what nature can do. Now, I don't know if you've ever been there, but I, like we had a tornado come through Granbury, and it surprised me then, and it surprised me just as much when I drove there and just saw the devastation that could come. There's also surprises that happen if you've ever had like a surprise birthday party or, or you have something, surprise, your loved one surprised you with a gift or a card or something at home, and, or you, you kind of surprise yourself sometime. Like if you're a student or if you've tried to go for a promotion in a job and, and you try it and you're like, man, I did the best I could on that test. I did the best I could trying to get promotion. And you don't think you have it. And all of a sudden you get that promotion or you ace the test. And you're like, wow, that surprises me, right? And, and then there's also God surprises. Like some just good God surprises where people have been healed, where we see true life change happen in people's uh, lives. And we know that it's nothing of our doing, but it's all God. And this could be the good responses, right? We can have some good responses to just surprises to what happens to us, but we can also have negative responses. Think about the people that were affected by the hurricane or were affected by Canton, the tornado that went through Canton. Like That can bring a, about a negative emotion of loss and of hurt. Or if you get kind of surprised by a loved one where you go home and there's divorce papers on the table. I mean, that's a negative response to something that's happening, and it's and it brings up some emotions we don't want to deal with. Or you go for that promotion, and you think you've got it, and then you don't get it. Or you think you ace the test, and you fail it, 
And there's a, a negative response to that. Or what if God doesn't answer your prayer? Like, what, is that, what does that do to our walk? Like, do we, do we question? Do we start having these negative thoughts about God? And the real problem is, is that we allow our situation, we allow our, our things that were going on in life to affect us so much that we, we worry more about our emotions than what God is trying to do through it. And so today as we dive into 1 Peter chapter 4, we're going to take a look at sufferings. And we're going to try to walk through and be, be mindful of what God wants to teach us. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to start. Father, I pray that you help us to learn what you're doing in, in our lives. God, teach us something today about just your love, God, your mercy, your forgiveness, your, your grace, but also your discipline. Also the sufferings that we might go through. God, I pray that you help us keep our eyes on the things that matter in this world, and that is our faithful creator. God, I thank you for this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And he starts off and he says, beloved. So he talks about the people that follow Christ, those that are uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, beloved, do not be surprised, right? Don't be shocked. Don't be caught off guard. Don't just find yourself thinking, what is going on to, with me at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you? And so the very first thing that we see here is there's going to be trials in life. There's going to be sufferings. There's going to be difficulties. But there's kind of different levels, right? Like if, you, if you're going through life and you, you want to hear an answer from, from God and you're praying, praying, and praying, and you just don't hear an answer, but your life doesn't really change, that's not a fiery trial. And I, I find it odd that Peter uses the word fiery here because he uses it, I think, for two reasons. One, a fire... You think of hurt, you think of pain, you think of something difficult. And so right here at first, there are going to be some trials that are going to cause pain. There's going to be some trials in your life that is going to cause hurt. And, God, and Peter says, don't be surprised by it. But then also, this idea of fiery is, is Peter's trying to use the, the term that they use for like a blacksmith that would stick a piece of metal into the fiery furnace to heat it up, and then he'd take it and beat it into what, what this creation, what he wants to create it and mold it into. This is the type of fiery um, term that he is using here. So not only does, does, is there a part where trials really hurt and cause pain, but there's trials that mold us and shape us and form us into the creation that the creator made us to be. And so what kind of trials are we dealing with? Because that's really kind of where we need to go to in this. And so you've got fiery trials when it comes. It doesn't say if it comes. It says when. So we're all, whether you believe in God or not, going to deal with trials in life because it's going to come. And it's going to come upon you to test you, to, to try you, to see where you stand, on what foundation. As though something strange were happening to you. It's funny because as, as you think of strange things happening to you, I think of a boy growing up into manhood, right? You get those strange things that happen to you during puberty, right? Your voice starts changing, it cracks. You kind of raise your hand and look in the mirror and you got hair growing up under here. And then you smell something. You're like, where is this coming from, right? And you're like, this is just strange. I don't, I don't know what's going on. You wake up, you look in the mirror and all of a sudden it looks like you got a rash on your face. 
And you're like, those weren't there last night. And you think of all these strange things that as you're growing up, happen to you. And it does the same thing with our faith. Like, think about this. We've, we, we start off immature in our faith, a childlike faith, and God grows us to maturity. He wants us to, to leave the spiritual milk and, and get onto some meat. And as this is happening, things are going to happen. And he says, don't count it strange. It's part of growing up. And so this is just how he kind of lays the foundation here is don't be surprised by it. Don't count it strange. Well, then what are we supposed to do? But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. If there's one person that understands suffering above all else, it's Jesus. And I want you to grasp this. Because God, who lives in a place that there's no suffering, no pain, no hurt, decides that he loves his creation so much that he leaves heaven and comes and lives as one of us. And he deals 33 years of people hating him, beating him, and eventually crucifying him. And he deals with sufferings that we will not deal with. And yet we question, do you really get what I'm going through, God? Jesus knows what we're going through. The problem is, is we allow our situation to affect us internally, that we, our view of God is skewed. And he says, so if you are sharing in Christ's sufferings, rejoice. If this is part of you growing into the image of Christ, rejoice that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Why do we get to rejoice? Because we know that if we share in Christ's sufferings now, we will share in his glory for eternity. We've got to keep our eyes fixed on the prize when we're going through difficult times. He says, hey, if you're sharing in Christ's suffering, guess what? You're a child of God. And hold on to that because one day you're going to spend eternity with him. He says, rejoice. What else? If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Be blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. He says, if others are insulting you, if others are torturing you, if others are beating you, if others are making fun of you, be blessed because they see something different in you. Because the spirit of God rest upon you. How beautiful it is to be insulted for Christ. But we're so afraid of it. We're so afraid of it. To live life out there on the edge so much so that we're afraid to fail in other people's eyes. And God says, don't worry about failing because I'm going to hold you up. I'm going to get you through. Keep your eyes fixed on the faithful creator and don't worry what people are going to say about you. And he says, so if you're, if you're sharing in Christ's sufferings, if you're being insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, rejoice, because the Spirit of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. And I think this is funny because we, we agree with the first three, right? I mean, we got laws for the first three. If there's a murderer, there's, you should have a consequence for that. If there's a thief, you should have a consequence for that, yes. 
If you're an evildoer, human trafficking, all of this stuff, there should be a consequence for that. But oh, but meddler? Come on, Peter. Come on. This is the idea of the person that goes and stirs the pot in somebody else's affairs that wants to listen just for the sake of gossip? You're associating me with all these other things? Yes, because this is what he's saying. If you are called a follower of Christ, if you claim to follow Jesus, suffer for the things that, are, that you should be suffering for. Do not suffer the way you did before Christ. He says, whatever sin you dealt with, whether it's sexual immorality, whether it's lying, whether it's disobedience, where it's, whether it's murder, where it's, whether it's a thief or an evildoer or a meddler, don't suffer this way anymore because you are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And so long we hold on to our sins and he says, stop suffering with that. I've forgiven you. I've moved you on. I've recreated in you a heart that wants to follow me. Lay, just hold on to the spirit and move past your old self. Don't suffer in that way anymore. He says, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. There it is again. But let him glorify God in that name. Peter uses the word Christian here because I think he's being specific. There's only a few times in the Bible that the word Christian is mentioned because usually it's the early church was the followers of the way. In the Old Testament, it was God's chosen people, the Jewish race. And then Peter uses the word Christian here. And I think he's wanting to be specific. Because this is later on in Peter's life, and there's probably some theologies or some ideas from other religions that have come into the church. And he says, no, I, want you to, I don't want you to say that there's another way. I don't want you to say, well, followers of the way, whatever way you believe it to be, I want to be very specific. If you claim to follow Christ, that's what this means here, a follower of Christ, don't be ashamed but glorify God through it all. And why do we need to glorify God? Well, here it is, because this, this I kind of wrestled with this verse here, but it says, for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And the early Jewish readers, uh, if they did not believe in God, they believed that the household of God was the temple, where the Holy of Holies, where God dwelt, Right? But if you know anything about church history, if you believe in Jesus, you know that at the time that Jesus was crucified on the cross, the, the veil was torn in two, and the Holy of Holies, there's nothing that separates us from God anymore. And then if you choose to follow Christ, that his spirit is placed in you. You have the idea of Pentecost, where, where the spirit poured out, 3,000 were saved, and now if you are a follower of Christ, the spirit of God dwells inside of you. And there's judgment. There's conviction. There's this thing where you start doing the things that your old self did and you feel this weight that you shouldn't do it anymore. And the problem is, is what do we do? We quench that spirit. We say, no, I'm good. And all this time, Jesus, the spirit is trying to convict you. It's trying to judge you. And it begins, he says, it begins with us. And so if you are a follower of Christ, I know you've felt this before. 
I know you felt this conviction of the Holy Spirit that you were once did something. I don't know, fill in the blank. And now you no longer do it because you've been convicted. Judgment has been brought upon you. And he says, we need to suffer well. So there's really kind of two types of sufferings here, right? There's this suffering that we have with our experiences, and there's also this internal suffering through the Spirit, where he, he changes our heart, where he molds it, where he chisels out what doesn't need to be there. And he says, get ready because it's going to hurt. But it needs to happen because it begins now. And if it begins now, why? Why? He says, what will the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And then he quotes Proverbs here, and he says, and if the righteousness is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Why do we suffer well? Why do we allow God to change us? Why do we allow God to mold us into creation in the image of him? It's so others can see something different. It's so that those that don't follow look at you and say, there's something different about him. I want to know what it is. But there's going to be those that oppose. It's just like Brandon said last week, that, that if you look like Jesus, some of your friends are going to kind of shun you. Don't be ashamed of that. Because here's the deal. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is the worst life can get. This is the worst life can get on earth. Because one day, we'll hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. We'll be able to look in the glory and the perfection of Jesus. And we get to spend eternity with him. That's why we focus on heaven and not here and not our situation and not our sufferings and not our difficulties. But remember, why do we suffer well while here on earth? It's so that the ungodly and the sinners, which I once was, can see it. They can question it because guess what? It gets a lot worse for the ungodly and the sinner. And there should be a longing for those that follow Jesus to invite others into his family. And so why do we suffer well? So we can be a direct representation of Jesus to those that don't know him. So that one day they can come into the family, whether it's on their deathbed or in their, in their teens, doesn't matter when they follow Christ. We just have this urgency of inviting people to know and get to know the God that gets us through our sufferings. Can you imagine being someone on the outside, looking at someone that claims to follow Jesus, and in the midst of suffering, go, why God? Turn their back on God and question if he loves them. There's this idea that, man, what are you standing on at that point? He says, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. And here's, here's where I'm going to lose some of you. Because we can't fathom how a loving God would allow something to happen here on earth. And if we read this correct here, therefore, since we realize what suffering is, since we realize suffering is going to happen, since we realize as followers of God why we should suffer well, because at the end of this it says, do it good while doing good through all of this suffering. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will. 
according to God's will. You mean God is going to allow me to suffer? Yes, through some of it. But here's the thing is we've got to, we've got to realize what type of suffering we're in. Because as we're in this suffering, we need to entrust our souls to the faithful creator. And so what is this deal with suffering? Because here, here's the first problem with suffering. We don't like to be on the receiving end. Ask any child, do you like to be disciplined by your parents? And I'm sure 110% of them would say no. But if you have a child that loves to be disciplined, please find me afterwards because I need to teach my kids how, how to do it well. But we never grow out of that. We think we grow up as an adult and we realize what, what discipline is. And yet when we're in the middle of it, we don't like it. Because it's hurtful. Because it's painful. We don't like to be on the receiving end of suffering. We have the wrong view of suffering. Right? We think it's to punish but God uses it for his good. It's not necessarily our good either. That's the hard part. It's all for God's good. So as you're in the middle of this suffering, look and see what type of suffering you're dealing with. Because there's, like I said at the beginning, there's multiple things of suffering. There's multiple ways of surprising us. Right? Is this the will of God? Like, is he molding you? Is he shaping you into the image of Jesus? And if so, do it well. But here's some other sufferings that could happen. You could be causing the suffering. He says, don't suffer with your sin. And that's the problem with this is we hold on to our sin and we cause our own consequences in suffering. Like, don't, well, do come up to me, but don't come up to me, right, and say, man, I am suffering in my marriage because I had an affair on my wife. Well, duh. Of course you're going to suffer. That's a direct consequence of your sin, and you should suffer. Hope that's not just quoted. You should suffer. But there's our sin that causes suffering. So is it God's will or is it your sin that's causing suffering? Is it other people's sin? Do you live in an abusive marriage? Because I can guarantee you it's not God's will. God didn't come down and say, hey, why don't you beat your wife for 30 minutes? That's not God's will. Or why don't you kind of just tell your husband how he really should act? Kind of put him down until he can't stand on his own two legs. That's not God's will. So is it somebody else's sin that is, being, that is uh, causing you suffering? Because God looks down at this suffering and his heart breaks. We get to natural suffering. Like, no one likes to deal with death. But because of Adam and Eve, from the very beginning, death enters the picture, and now it is a natural cause. What type of suffering are you going through? Because the problem is, is we lump it all into one thing, usually. Well, this suffering is all God. Not necessarily. 
So is it God's will? Is it your own sin? Is it someone else's? Or is it just something natural that happens? But God looks down on it all. Whether it's natural or it's him going through it and his heart breaks. Think about when you have to discipline your own children and the heartache that that brings. You don't want to see them cry. You don't want to see them hate you. (laughs) And if we experience that, think about the perfect creator and how his heart breaks. We view suffering through worldly examples. We have poor examples on how to deal with suffering. We look at the media. The media is ridiculous right now, where people don't want to look at their own sin, and they want to cause other people suffering. This is a poor example of how to deal with suffering. We look at our parents and the way that they dealt with it. We look at our boss and the way that they dealt with it. We look at entertainment and see the way that they deal with it. The problem is, is we don't look at Jesus. Again, if we want to understand how to deal with suffering and suffer well, we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because there was a perfect God that came and lived as one of us and dealt with suffering well. Or we have the wrong view of God. We love to take the attributes of our parents and place it onto God. We love to take the attributes of our spouse and place it onto God. And it skews our view of God. And Peter's very clear here. He says, a faithful creator. So I want you to get this. The view of God means that he created you. And he created you for a purpose. And he is recreating you into that purpose. And he does not lie. He does not break his promises. And he is faithful to pull us through. That is the one foundation we need to stand on through all of is Jesus, because he does not change. And so, as I was preparing this message, I kept coming by this video, and I want you all to check out this video, because I really think that this just takes all of this message and puts it out plain. So, it's, it's a little long, but bear with me, okay? Watch the video, and I pray that you're blessed as I was. I don't know about you. But when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a a masterpiece, but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, Dear Heavenly Father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh. Why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Well, gave it away. You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that. Don't I? I did it again. <laughs> Step right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> oh, hang on. Mm-hmm. 
How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? It showed up when I was <laughs> in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but. Because most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel, No, talk, no, chisel. no, 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 I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm gonna bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um, you compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. Hang on a second. I mean, I, I gotta admit, I, I feel like you've been doing some great work and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean... What you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um, it's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know. I'll stay right here and then, you That's know. That's just it, you never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things or life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, no, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. it's a process, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, it's your whole life, and you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish, it's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever gonna hear is at the end of your life when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant, that's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize, heavenward. Okay, I'm sorry, I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't talk to me about sacrifice. I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years, these empty wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Um, allow me to produce character when you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways are not oh, my ways. Oh, I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. It's not an excuse. I can't. Oh, my child. In the beginning, I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Yeah, but you and I both... What? Nothing. No, what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. Try me. It's just, um... I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand, never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay. Chisel away. Just, just be prepared for what you're going to find in there.
because I know who's inside there. Because I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror and I hate who I see. Because deep inside there, this, this, this little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult. And I go out and I, and I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't, okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away. Just be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not from me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? That How can I show you that my love for you has no end? I know. Reach your back pocket. What? Reach your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach your back pocket. Oh, God. You're just saying my name in vain. Come on. It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying. It's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. Oh my gosh. You know what that is? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello? Oh yeah. Go ahead, read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? Even though you and I both know I've messed up so many times. Did I hear you say you want to use me? And I feel so useless. If you'll take me and use me, then God, I give you all that I am. Take me. I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at this as a prison, but look at it as a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's gonna be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was gonna be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's... No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you, but maybe for the first time in your life, the way I see you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. So I don't know what you're going through today. 
I don't know what sufferings you're dealing with. I don't know if you're in the midst of suffering. I don't know if you've come out of suffering. I don't know if, I don't know. But one thing that I want to leave you with an encouragement is 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 1.4. That God who comforts us in all our affliction does so so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. If you are suffering today, I can't help but encourage you to get into community because God will use his people to comfort you. If you are not in suffering today, get in community because God wants to use you exactly what he meant to make you for. Let's pray. God, I pray that you help us to be the masterpiece that you've created us to be, God. God, I know life hurts. I know life is painful. I know life is difficult. But I pray that you comfort us with your spirit that lives inside us. Help us to know when it is you who, who is molding us into the image of your son. Help us to know if it's us that, that we're just beating ourselves up, that we're sinning, we're in this sin pattern that we continue to hold on to, God. God, I pray that you teach us about your grace and your mercy and your love and your forgiveness. And I pray that while we want all of that, that we want to share in all of that, including your glory, that you help us to share in your sufferings and do it well. God, I thank you and I praise your holy.